In case you walked in late, uh, my name is Joel, and I'm not uh, the usual pastor here. Uh, that's Josh. And uh, I'm one of the elders of the ring, or the new ones. And um, I spoke probably about a month ago, but this time I'm happy because now the college group is here. They weren't here last time. They were having fun at the beach. Um, and I guess now college group and young professionals too. That's good. But anyway, tonight I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, contentment and a, an important aspect of contentment, and that's um, kind of relying on him for our joy. And that's what you know he's called us to do, and that's what he wants us to do. So I'm going to talk tonight a little bit about that. Um, and basically, I'm just going to get right into it, and hopefully it'll be short and sweet. And um, so if y'all would, turn to First uh, Timothy chapter 6. And, you know, when we talk about contentment, you know, it's nice to kind of refresh ourselves because we all have different, you know, meanings in our mind of what contentment is. And contentment is, is basically a state of being um, that's not affected by uh, outside sources or variables. It's not affected by uh, your circumstances, and it's not affected by, um, I guess, what's going on, anything else outside of you that's affecting you. Uh, we know a lot of times our mood uh, is very affected by our circumstances, our environment. Um, and sometimes that's a, that's a normal thing, and sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes it's a bad thing. Um, but with contentment, it's just a state of being that is, is regardless of whatever's going on in your environment, whatever's going on in your life, it's a consistent state of being. So that's kind of what um, you know, we're going to talk about tonight and, and about relying on him for our joy. And that's a very important aspect of it. So what I'm going to do is... Um, in chapter 6 of 1 Timothy, verse 6, uh, I'm going to read through 6 through 12 and then 17 through 20, and then we'll kind of get into it, look at a little bit of time. Now, starting in verse 6, it says, Now there is great gain in godliness with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these things, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that we have wandered away from the faith and pierced, them, pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, fight the good fight of faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and to which you made the good confession, and the presence of many witnesses. Um, so let's start looking at this. And basically, um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of meat in these passages, and we're not going to talk about everything that encompasses them. We're just going to talk about some little things in here. But, I mean, there's just a lot of stuff in here. And so we'll, we'll talk about some of it a little bit. Uh, in verse 6, it says, Now there is great gain in godliness with contentment. But we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. Um, and basically in 6, Paul's kind of saying, you know, it's important for us to find satisfaction with our place in life. And that's, that's important. He's stressing that fact. And then he says, you know, we came into the world with nothing, and we're going to leave the world with nothing. Which is kind of like, well, yeah, duh, everyone knows that. That's no big epiphany or anything like that. So I was kind of curious as to why I said that. I was just kind of wondering in my mind, and the thought occurred to me that, He's, he's kind of alluding to something that we know. We know that we came here with nothing, and we're going to leave 
this world with nothing. But sometimes our lives aren't reflecting that in a way, in that kind of way, you know? Sometimes our attachments to this world are a little different than what we truly believe. So I think it's kind of interesting how he just points that out there, something that's kind of a matter of fact, something that's kind of obvious, um, an important way, kind of indicating, you know, there, there might be some discrepancies here going on, um, just kind of be mindful of. So, and then it goes um, in verse 8, but if you have food and clothing with these, we will be content. And that's, that's kind of uh, a theme going on, um, food and clothing, right? Uh, last month when I talked a little bit at worry, about worry, that was kind of uh, a theme that was there too, is basically the basics, right? Rely on him for everything. And he, he said, you know, he's told us before, um, he knows we need food, he knows we need clothing, and he's going to provide us with these things. And rely on him for everything, even our most basic needs, he says, don't worry about them, right? So, and again, it comes up here, what Paul's saying this, you know, just we have the basics, and God's going to provide this for us. So, at the very least, we have what we need to go on, what we need to abide in him, and that's an important aspect to be content with and to rely on. So, then it goes on to verse 9, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. I'm sure many of y'all have heard this before um, and used in many different ways. But tonight we're going to kind of look at it a little bit differently than usual. Um, It says the love of money is a, a root of all kinds of evil. And it also talks about the desire, right? So it says the love of money. So it's not money, right? What is money? Money is a piece of paper or a digital number on a computer screen, right? Money in itself is not bad, right? It's just a piece of paper. The only thing that's bad about it is that, like, a tree had to die for it, you know, to be there. So money is nothing, right? It's something that we invented. It has applied meaning to it. But for some reason, Paul's talking about this in pretty, pretty harsh terms, right? He's very strong on this. He uses a lot of strong language. So, you know, that's got me wondering, like, what is money, right? So money is either a gratifier or it's a means to gratification, right? So when we have money, itself does not make us happy, right? But it's what it can do for us makes us happy. And our, it, can, it helps us pursue what we want, right? Pursue our desires. And that's what Paul is saying is, is saying, you know, this relying on this, you know, what kind of how we are brought up to do and what we do every day, relying on these things for, for our joy is, is going to lead us away, right? It says in here, in verse, in verse 9, it says it will fall into temptation and just steer us away from the faith, right? So there's something about this that's, that's not too good, that doesn't really correlate with us abiding, right? So if money is a means for gratification, and if money can be gratification, it says the love of that um, is not good, then what, there's some other things in our lives that are also uh, can be gratifiers, mean for gratification. So what other things can be, you know, our means for gratification, something we pursue as our gratifiers? You know, I think it's a lot of different things for different people. Um, you know, I think Josh talked a little bit about uh, hobbies not too long ago. And hobbies are a very good thing, right? You know, like money, money's not bad. Money's a good thing, but our attachment to it could get us in trouble. Our attachment to it could not be healthy, right? So 
you know, a lot of us, we all have hobbies, right? And hobbies are a good thing. They keep us entertained. Uh, they, they bring us, you know, some happiness, some joy. They, they relax us. They're stress relievers, right? They're good. You should have hobbies. Hobbies are very good. But sometimes if, you know, your hobby is a source of joy for you and you're relying on that for your joy, you know, that can be an unhealthy thing at some times, right? So if you're relying on your hobby for joy, then you're taking your time, your energy, your effort, your thoughts, and they're pointing to something that is not going to be a great producer of joy, right? Because um, hobbies, you know, every now and then, they're bringing us fun times, but sometimes they frustrate us. Sometimes we might not be able to engage in the hobby we want to engage in. Sometimes it can take us away from things, and sometimes we can probably do things that, that would ordinarily wouldn't do just so we could have fun and things like that. And sometimes our attachment to it grows too strong, right? And this can be found in other things, too. Um, attention is one thing, right? Everyone loves attention. Attention is a big gratifier, whether it's good or bad attention. Sometimes someone's day could hinge on the amount of attention they get or the kind of attention they get, right? I know for me, if, if I go to my work and, I, and somehow, you know, I get bad attention from either my coworkers, my boss, I didn't do something right, and, and they have to talk to me about it, you know, to me, it brings my mood down a little bit and down day because I like to do things right, right? So a lot of times we can rely too much on, on attention as a gratifier and pursue that to fill our needs, right? So sometimes that can kind of get in the way, and that could be not so, such a good thing um, and get in the way of our contentment, right? Because when you're pursuing things other than God for your joy, when you're relying on those things for joy, it's a breeding ground for discontentment, Right? Because true joy only comes from the Lord. And when we're looking to other things for our joy, for our contentment, inevitably we're going to be let down. Uh, inevitably we're going to find that they're going to disappoint us. And this another thing comes in uh, relationships. This is a big one. I think for everybody can relate to that. Whether it's a significant other, whether it's a family relationship, whether it's a friend relationship, you know, any kind of relationship, a lot of times we look to those as our our sense of joy, right? We rely on those things for our joy from day to day. Um, and sometimes that's not such a good thing, right? Sometimes people say it's a significant other, a friend, what are they going to do? They're eventually going to let you down, right? They're eventually going to cause, you know, you're going to become angry with them, you're going to be disappointed in them, um, you're going to feel like they've let you down some way. And this can affect you in a, in a very negative way. Um, and that's because it's not, a, it's not a good source of joy, right? It's not something God intended you to seek your joy in from day to day. It's a good thing, you know, friendships, relationships. That horizontal relationship is a very positive thing. Um, but sometimes we get into this routine of, of putting too much of our joy in those things. We seek those things for our joy and our happiness, right? Sometimes everybody's got a cup to fill up, right? Throughout the day, everybody's got a, And I use this example when I talk about introverts and extroverts. Um, everyone's got a cup to fill up, right? Introverts, they fill that cup up with, um, with their thoughts, right? They go through the day, and they process things internally. Um, they think about things, and they experience things a lot of times internally, right? And that's how they fill their cup up. We all need a certain amount of stimuli every day, a certain amount of attention. And extroverts, they fill that cup up with, you know, interacting with their environment more and taking things in. 
long conversations, talking a lot more. That fills their cup up, right? So we all, we're all used to filling our cups up every day, whether it's, you know, realized or not. Um, your, your day, you're going to look through certain things to look forward to your day, and you're going to rely on certain things to kind of bring you that sense of happiness, right, a sense of joy. And, and that's a normal thing. But is, that, is your reliance on that thing, is our reliance on that thing um, too much? Is our attachment to that too much, strengthened too much, where it's kind of taking us away from abiding? Are we putting too much um, of our hope in those things to bring us happiness? Uh, it's, it's something that is definitely easy to do, because I don't think we ever make that decision to say, you know what, in April, I'm going to just look forward to fancy baseball and rely on that to bring me joy, right? Or I'm going to rely on, it's Monday, and I'm going to rely on, I can get through this week, because I know that Friday night, I'm going to see my friends. Saturday night, we're going out. You know, Sunday, we're going out to eat. And I can get through this week because I have that to look forward to. I'm relying on that as my sense of joy, right? Whereas that doesn't, that's not an accurate reflection of contentment, right? Because with contentment, we're relying on God for our joy. And we're, we're abiding in him. And we're trusting in him through all those things. That's where true contentment comes in. Because for those four or five days of the week, you're not content. Because you're looking forward to that gratifier, Right? Looking forward to whatever you have to get to fill your cup up with joy, right? To fill you up with joy. And so that's five days out of a seven-day week that you're solely focused on something else and not the present, right? And that's just a breeding ground for discontentment because when those gratifiers don't meet your expectations or don't meet your needs, then it starts to affect the rest of your life, right? So it's, it's something that's just, um, it's, not, it's, not, um, there's, it's not deep, right? The joy from God is deep. It's not limit, limitless. The joy from God is limitless. And it's not consistent either. Um, a lot of times we, we have such high hopes for these things. And we, we do this thing. We go, say we have a big expectation for a movie we go see. And we go see it. And it's horrible. And then we feel like we've waved, wasted those two hours of our life, right? And that's the thing. Everything else apart from God is, is eventually going to do that. It's eventually going to let you down. Um, and that's, that's the beauty of abiding in him for joy, something that's limitless. So let's go on to uh, verse 11. He says, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. So, you know, after Paul kind of points out this issue, he's saying, look, there's a lot of things going on that are, um, that are not fruitful. What do we do about these things? A lot of these things that we're relying on to, to, as our gratifiers and we're pursuing all our life to get to are not exactly the purpose of our faith, right? They're not in line with our faith. So what do we do about it? And Paul says, look, Timothy, you are a man of God. So set, your part, set yourself away from these things. And he says, this is what you do. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, right? Pursue those things. And that's what abiding is, is pursuing those things. He's saying, rely on this every day. Rely on God for your joy, right? Abide in him. And then he goes on to say, fight the good fight of faith, 15. Take hold of the eternal life to which you are called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So here he says, take hold of the eternal life. So he's kind of pointing out another thing here is the eternal life, right? 
uh, in our lives, we, we're all painted pictures of you know, what our life should look like, right? Other people paint pictures of what a good life should look like. We have our own expectations of what a good life should look like. And that life is basically based on a time frame, right? When you're born and then when you die, right? That's the time frame you're based on. And Paul's pointing out here, eternal life, right? So through Jesus Christ, we have, our life does not end with death, right? We have ever, everlasting life through him, right? He's saying focus on these things, things that aren't temporal and of the world. Temporal things will eventually let you down because they're temporal. They will eventually go away. You'll eventually deplete those resources that we rely on as our gratifiers, right? So he's saying look at this, eternal life. Focus on what is eternal, right? The eternal kingdom, what he has set for us. Um, then let's, let's switch over to um, verse 17. It says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So, essentially, it's pointing out the uncertainty of riches. Right? A lot of us, I think, we would we'd like to think about, if we won the lottery, you know, <clears throat> that would solve a lot of our issues, right? Because we would have so many resources to pursue all the gratifiers, all things that we know make us happy, right? And we all say, yeah, but, you know, you know, that doesn't mean happiness because we've been taught to say that. In reality, we're like, well, I can't really think of any other things I would have. And, and, that's, and it's not the issue of money, right? Because money in itself isn't bad or good, right? It's just money. So it's our pursuit of that, uh, pursuit of what that is that helps us get our gratifiers. That's the issue, right? Our attachment to that. And that's, that's what issue, that's what we know won't make us happy. Because that is not limitless, like you said. That is something that is wavering, right? Eventually, you know, we're not going to be satisfied with whatever, whatever it is that makes us happy. I don't think, you know, at this stage in our life, we're, the things that made us happy when we were five years old make us happy now. 13-year-old make us happy now. And probably the things that make us happy now aren't going to make us happy in about five years, right? So a lot of that is a trap, right? Because from day one, we're raised and we're taught to kind of pursue these things. We're painting the picture, whether it's implicit or explicit, we're all taught of what, we're all given a picture of what life is, right? Say, you know, this is life. If you do this, you'll be happy. If you do this, if you get this, you'll be happy. If you get to this point, and all you have to do is get to this point, then you'll be good. And so we're left pursuing these goals each and every day, right? That, well, right now I'm, you know, 16, so I need to graduate high school, figure out what college I want to go to, get a driver's license, and that'll be, that'll be good. Then I'll be good then for a little while until I have to do the next step. So then all of a sudden you're 55, and you're like, okay, do I have enough Money saved up for retirement. I got a plan for this. As soon as I retire, I get to that next step, I'll be good. And a lot of times, we're just left with these steps and steps and steps. And when we get to them, all we have is just completed the steps, right? And whatever it is, you know, that happened in step one isn't important in step six anymore, right? And, and that's kind of the way we view. I know I get into that habit of kind of viewing my life like that and pursuing something else for joy. And it's not a conscious decision, I'm not saying I'm going to choose to rely on this for my joy, but I definitely do that. You know, I definitely look to other things to kind of fill that void and make me happy, you know? Um, and whether it, whether it could be, you know, many different things, a relationship. Um, you know, if I, if I were to look to Jenny 
for my happiness each and every day, I'll eventually be let down. And she definitely makes me happy, but she's not Jesus. She's not God. Um, but I do that sometimes. I think we all do that to a certain extent. <clears throat> rely on other things to make us happy. When they don't, we get mad. We get either mad at ourselves or of those things. And it, and it brings us into just a little repetitive cycle, right? We get mad, we get frustrated, we come to terms with it, and then we do the same things because that's what we're taught to do, right? That's the picture that we've been painted. In any movie you watch um, growing up, it's about this is what a good life looks like. This is what a satisfied, content life looks like. And it's all about you know, the environment, that person's situation. It's all dependent on situation, right? Something that they want to have, and they get that, and all of a sudden they're content. But, you know, nine times out of ten, what that is is still in this world, right? And Paul's saying, look at eternal life. Set your faith on him, right? Pursue your faith, something that's uh, eternal, something that's deeper, something that goes on that's not temporal. Um, And that's a very important aspect of joy. joy Relying on him for joy is a very important aspect of contentment because he's an everlasting source of joy. And he wants us to seek him for that. And that's where contentment is. The only place contentment can come from is from abiding in him and seeking him first and have a vertical relationship with him and relying on him for your joy. Um, and that's what brings true contentment, resting in him. And if you look in, um, in 18, it says, They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves it's a good foundation for the future, so they may take hold of which is truly life. So again, indicating which is truly life, right? Not the life that uh, we think we should have, not the life that society tells us to have, not the life that we've learned to strive for, but what is true life, right? And true life is in him. And it's kind of interesting, too, because we're so focused on observation, Right? We, we take a second, we observe our life. Okay, do I have what I need? Am I, do I feel happy right now, right? And if our feelings of happiness are based on, you know, whatever it is to you, whether it's approval, whether it's attention, whether it's your hobby, whether it could be money, it could be a wide range of things, you know? It could be your weekend, what you're doing, a vacation coming to head. If your feelings and, and your sense of happiness is based on that, then eventually, you're going to be let down. And nine times out of ten, you know, I mentioned earlier, I do uh, counseling. I see people for counseling. And um, sometimes I see people who come in with uh, symptoms of depression. And depression happens in many different forms. Um, but a lot of the time, it's, it's kind of centered on some, some environmental stressor, right? Something in your life that, that has bred some discontentment in you, Right? So, something in this world that we find discontent with, it's not meeting our needs, it's not gratifying us the way we want it to, right? And, and it, it brings discontentment because we're focusing on that thing, right? We're focusing on a specific thing, we're not focusing on the vertical relationship, right? We're not focusing on him, we're looking towards him to bring all these other things in line with what we think we should be at a certain level, a certain time, right? And that inevitably leads to um, continued looking for other things. Because once that thing is fixed, you're just going to find something else to look to, right? Because that's, that's everybody. You know, once something comes up, 
There's always going to be something else. There's always going to be something to find discontentment with. And whether we realize that or not, you know, is, is sometimes can be a difference maker. Um, so, and I think that's what Paul's kind of saying. It's like, look, a lot of these things, when you're constantly pursuing your gratifiers, when you're constantly pursuing other things to make you happy and doing exactly what society, you know, tells you to do, not explicitly, maybe implicitly, then those things, discontentment is, is bound to happen, right? Those things will always let you down. But instead, focus on him, right? Focus on abiding in him and, and pursuing righteousness, faithfulness, you know, steadfastness in him. And pursue those things, those things that have an impact on eternal life, right? Those things, that's the only source where we can find true contentment. And through that, um, that's where you find the joy in God. And that's where the joy of God. And if you look in, um, like you said in 17, um, the God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. And as we kind of talked about a little while ago, last month of worry, he's there to provide for us. And if he's going to provide for the birds, he's going to provide for us even more so, right? And he knows our needs before, uh, a lot of times before we even uh, know our needs, right? And we talked a lot over over last semester about God being omnipresent, omniscient, and everything like that. And a lot of that plays into, you know, if we're going to rely on something for our joy that he knows is not good for us, that he knows is not a good source for joy, then, you know, part of through abiding with that, he's, he'll let that make us known to us. He'll say, look, this is where you find true joy in me. And he'll kind of point that out. Um, so I think a lot of times, you know, we get caught up in that um, cycle of, of looking to other things to uh, make us happy when, when really he's the only one that can do that for us. And, and that's kind of just what I had to say tonight. Um, and just a, li- just a little sliver of, I guess, what contentment, you know, that aspect of contentment is relying on him for joy because that's what he wants to do and that's where he gets glory from, right? Um, through us seeking him first and depending on him for all our needs and um, just, just wanting to rejoice in him in that, right? And, and, and following through with him because through that process, he'll take care of everything we need and he'll bring us joy and we can find contentment in that. Um, so that's all about all I had to say. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray for us, and the band will come up, and we'll sing the rest of the songs. Um, dear Lord God, thank you so much for this uh, day and everything you've given and done for us. Uh, thank you so much for um, just allowing us to be here tonight and uh, just the relationships that are in this room. And ask you to just continue to remind us each and every day uh, to seek you first, Lord God, and abide in you and trust in you for everything we have, Lord God. Um, and just to, um, each and every day, even though... Uh, we, it may be difficult in these days to um, look at our circumstances and, and trust in you. I pray that you'll, you'll provide us with the truth and know that that's what you've called us to do. And uh, that's what our purpose is. I uh, just thank you so much for everything. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.